Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Pitts Evans. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. Let's get right to the Word of God. Judges chapter 8. Now the Ephraimites asked Gideon, Why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went out to fight against Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. But he answered them, What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't the gleanings of Ephraim's grapes better than the full grape harvest of Abazir? God gave Oreb and Zeb, the Midianite leaders, into your hands. What was I able to do compared to you? At this, their resentment against him subsided. Gideon and his 300 men, exhausted, yet keeping up the pursuit, came to the Jordan and crossed it. He said to the men of Sukkot, Give my troops some bread. They're worn out, and I'm still pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Sukkot said, Do you already have the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna in your possession? Why should we give bread to your troops? Then Gideon replied, Just for that, when the Lord has given Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand, I will tear your flesh with desert thorns and briars. From there, he went up to Penel and made the same request of them. But they answered as the men of Sukkot had. So he said to the men of Penel, When I return in triumph, I will tear down this tower. Now Ziba and Zalmunna were in Karkor with a force of about 15,000 men. All that were left of the armies of the eastern people, 120,000 swordsmen had fallen. Gideon went up by the route of the nomads of the east, and Jobah, and attacked the unsuspecting army. Zeba and Zalmunna, the two kings of Midian, fled, but he pursued them and captured them, routing their entire army. Gideon, son of Joash, then returned from the battle by the pass of Herez. He caught a young man of Sukkot and questioned him, and the young man wrote down for him the names of the seventy-seven officials of Sukkot, the elders of the town. Then Gideon came and said to the men of Sukkot, Here are Zeba and Zalmunna, about whom you taunted me, saying, Do you already have the hands of Ziba and Zalmunna in your possession? Why should we give you bread for your exhausted men? He took the elders of the town and taught the men of Sukkot a lesson by punishing them with desert thorns and briars. He also pulled down the tower of Penel and killed the men of that town. Then he asked Ziba and Zalmunna, What kind of men did you kill at Tabor? Men like you, they answered, each one with the bearing of a prince. Gideon replied, Those were my brothers, the sons of my own mother. As surely as the Lord lives, if you had spared their lives, I would not kill you. Turning to Jether, his oldest son, he said, Kill them. But Jether did not draw his sword, because he was only a boy and he was afraid. Zeba and Zalmunna said, Come, do it yourself. As is the man, so is his strength. So Gideon stepped forward and killed them, and took the ornaments off their camels' necks. The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And he said, I do have one request that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. They answered, we'll be glad to give them. 
So they spread out a garment, and each of them threw a ring from his plunder into it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, or the chains that were on their camels' necks. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All the people prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace forty years. Jerubbabel, son of Joash, went back home to live. He had seventy sons of his own, for he had many wives. His concubine, who lived in Shechem, also bore him a son whom he named Abimelech. Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of his father, Joash, in Ophrah of the Abazites. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal-bereth as their god and did not remember the Lord their god who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. They also failed to show any loyalty to the family of Jerubbabel, that is, Gideon, in spite of all the good things he had done for them. So apparently this great victory somehow made the people of Ephraim jealous. And so they challenged Gideon and said, why'd you treat us like this? You didn't call us when the battle started, and they challenged him vigorously. And so he came back with a soft, humble reply. He said, what have I accomplished compared to you? What was I able to do compared to you? And at this, their resentment against him subsided. That was wisdom, friends. The Bible says a kind word turns away wrath. And in this case, um, Gideon, of course, could have come back with a retort that was not so kind, but he used wisdom under the leading of the Lord. And so Gideon's 300 men, they were still with him. In verse 4, it says all 300 were tired, yet they kept up the pursuit. And they were chasing 15,000 men. Now, now picture this in your mind. 300 men are chasing 15,000 men, and the 15,000 men are terrified because the fear of the Lord had come on them. And so the the Bible goes on to say in verse 10 that a total of 120,000 swordsmen had already died at the hands of Gideon and these 300 men. Of course, the Bible records that a lot of them struck each other down in the confusion. But nonetheless, 300 men routed 120,000 plus 15,000, that's 135,000 men. And so now, out in broad daylight, the 300 are chasing 15,000, and the 15,000 are running. And so Gideon pursued them. He captured and and routed their entire army, the Bible says. So the Israelites were very excited. In verse 22, they said, Gideon, rule over us, you and your grandson and your son, because you've saved us from the hand of the Midianites. But Gideon wisely told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And so Gideon was a great man at that point. And I wish that he had just stuck with that reply. But for some reason, he decided to gather up a bunch of gold and he made a gold ephod and the people began to worship this thing that Gideon had made. Read in verse 27, Gideon made the gold into an ephod, 
which he placed in Ophrah, his town, all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. And so this terrible turn of events, you know, sadly, this great man uh, created a stumbling block for Israel. In verse 28, thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise up its head again during Gideon's lifetime. The land had 40 years of peace. And so that was that was fantastic. 40 years of peace, fantastic victory. But this chapter is not over yet. And so in verse 30, we read, Gideon had 70 sons because he had many wives. He also had a concubine who lived in Shechem, and she bore him a son whom he named Abimelech. Now, this Abimelech is going to become important uh, in the next chapter. He is going to be a, a judge over Israel. But Gideon died, and uh, verse 33, no sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals, and um, they didn't remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of their enemies on every side. Friends, this is the pattern over and over again in the book of Judges. Here's the pattern. Israel would prostitute themselves and worship other gods. The Lord would turn them over to their enemies as a form of judgment. The Jewish people would cry out to God because of the uh, misery their enemies were putting on them. The Lord would raise up a judge who would deliver them, and then they would backslide and prostitute themselves again, and the whole cycle would start over again. And so it's a, a sad, cyclical challenge that they were dealing with all through the book of Judges. And this thing plays out over and over again, as you'll see in a few minutes when we get to the next judge. But I just want to pray that the Lord would break any cycles or systems in our lives that cause us to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. Lord, we recognize that you are God above us and God with us at the same time. Lord, from your perspective above us, if you see cycles, destructive cycles in our lives, Lord, we ask you to break the cycle, not just to bring us out of, um, out from under the pain as the Israelites were asking for deliverance from their oppressors, and you would do that. But beyond that, Lord, break the cycle that causes this oppression to come again and again and again in our lives. Lord, help us to be steadfast and faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.